0: Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. So, this whole month, we're looking at the idea of love out loud. We've been looking for the whole year at living out loud. And so we're kind of playing with that, a little wordplay this month with love out loud. And so today we're going to look at love on a spectrum. And why talk about love on a spectrum? Spectrum is defined as a continuous range of light, a sequence or range with, uh, with light. And it means, according to the... Uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, it says a continuum of color formed when a beam of white light is dispersed as by passage through a prism. Everybody's thinking of Dark Side of the Moon's album cover, right? <laughs> as dispersed by, through a prism, so that its component wavelengths are arranged in order. Which is an excellent way of viewing life. There's this one that is dispersed into all the range of colors, the whole spectrum of colors of life. Yes? Out of a oneness, many. And so we can appreciate the many ways the oneness shows up, or we can be afraid of those ways. We have a choice of that. We get afraid when we get attached to my way or our way, or this is the way it's supposed to be. In today's um, meditation from Richard Rohr, He's talking about the biblical prophets and he says they were seers and seekers of eternal mystery which always seems dangerously new and heretical to old eyes and any current preoccupations with status and security. He says also people hiding inside of belonging systems. In other words, my tribe, my who I belong to, are very threatened by those who are not within that group. So what are our belonging systems? You know, throughout human history, there's been a tendency to separate and organize into categories. The intellect, your intellect, my intellect, does, uh, loves to do this. It helps it feel safe by developing a sense of order. You know, I can drop everything into these neat little boxes, neat little categories, neat little labels, and it doesn't have to reassess every situation every single time. And that spawns mental laziness. Now, There's times this is wonderful, right? Learning to drive a car. You don't want to have to sit and get into the car every single time and go, now, what do these dials mean? And what's this wheel for? And what are these levers and pedals and stuff? And what do those traffic lights mean? You don't want to have to reassess that every time, right? Okay, so it's a good. There's a, there's a healthy function of that. It's when we apply it across all of life, and especially to people, others, and ourselves, that we get into trouble. See, because people don't fall into neat little categories, do they? Do they? Okay, good. We're on a continuum. We're on a spectrum. But as a species, we've been applied to. Come to apply this process to everything, which introduces the challenge then of cultural conditioning, or as Don Miguel Ruiz calls it, domestication, where a culture has decided what reality is, what right or wrong is, and perceives life through that filter, unaware that there is a filter, that it's just a filter that I'm perceiving life through. It's just reality. It's just how it is. It's the right way. And we can back this up with history and with traditions and with sacred scriptures and with authority figures or any of a myriad of sources. We can back up this, our our cultural preferences. One of my favorite examples of this was the rejection back in the uh, 16th century of first the idea from uh, Joseph Copernicus that the earth actually revolved around the sun instead of vice versa. He developed what he called the heliocentric universe, saying that the sun was actually the center of the universe, not the earth. And then this guy named Galileo came along with his telescope and tried to prove it, and you know, demonstrated that you could actually watch this happening. And so the result of this was they were so well accepted by the Catholic Church, which pretty much ruled uh, most a lot of Europe at that time, that Copernicus had to run to Amsterdam, very far away, to not be burned at the stake, and that Galileo was forced to recant his testimony at, you know, in front of everybody, was called a, a vehement heretic for his teaching, and was put under uh, house arrest and told he could never publish anything ever again. No more in the future. See, that's my way is the right way. It took 360 years back in 1992, which is in our lifetime, before the Catholic Church, before Pope John Paul II admitted that the church had erred. We had people on the moon by that time, I mean, strolling on the moon, playing golf on the moon, you know? Yet, even as recently as two years before that, in 1990, there was an argument that the church was justified in its censorship because of the ethical and social consequences of Galileo's work, calling the church rational and just in its actions. That's how rigid our cultural beliefs can be. What they were basically saying was to say that people can't handle the truth. People can't handle reality. And authority figures are therefore justified in keeping people ignorant so they don't get upset. Take a breath. Fortunately, that all happened back in the 16th century. It doesn't happen today. Mm, No. So what does this have to do with love on a spectrum? So let's start with love. We say God is love. right? God is love. Therefore, love is the capital R reality of life. If we believe that. That's our filter. I kind of like that filter. It seems to work. I'm sticking with it. You're not wrong if you don't believe it, by the way. But like all aspects of life, love's nature is to flow freely. And it's only we who place blockages in the way of that flow. We create the dams. We create the, the containers that hold it back. And we do this from our cultural conditioning. Vision Lakhiana, in his uh, book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, said, Socialism, democracy, your religion, ideas about education, love, marriage, career, and every other should... Are nothing more than relative truths. They are simply not true for all human beings. <clears throat> Take that in for a moment. Let it rattle your, your own perceptions of life. So much of our perception of how it is is inaccurate. You know, when we think about a spectrum of light, we think about we our, our mind wants to label it. How many, how many colors are in the spectrum? That's true. But most of them, most of us will say seven, right? Red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and purple, or violet. But as a couple of you hinted at, each of those colors has a spectrum within it. So if you look at the red band, it goes from the palest of pinks to the deepest of crimsons. Everything in between. It is, as, as a couple of you said, infinite. But our lazy, simplistically-oriented intellect wants to throw a simple, convenient label on each aspect. In the same way, we labels people with nice, simplistic labels, right? Black, white, man, woman, gay, straight, without wanting to deal with the more complex nuances of people. And then it introduces cultural conditioning. Who's good, who's bad, what's right, what's wrong? It asks, do they fit, do they, whoever they is, fit in my tribe or are they part of a tribe that I don't feel comfortable with and therefore I get scared and bring up my they're wrong consciousness. So what we are currently seeing in the world is a challenging of old cultural conditioning brought about by greater exposure of ourselves to each other, to more and more ways of believing, to realizing, as, as the song says, you know There are people who consider Muhammad, Buddha, Jesus, or no God at all to be the way to live life. And we can do one of two things. We can either say, oh wow, that's interesting, let me learn more about that. That's called curiosity. Or we can say, they're wrong. They're going to hell or whatever version of it we have in our belief system. What's happening is that the very nature of belief systems are being seen for what they are. Because we finally are realizing that not everybody views the world the same way we do, we're beginning to realize, oh, maybe we don't view the world the same as everybody else does. Isn't that t- tragic? Oh, I hate that. This can be just as socially challenging and uncomfortable as the realization that the earth revolved around the sun was, 400 years ago. And the classical physics doesn't hold up at the micro level. (laughs) Uh, The father of, of one of the fathers of modern quantum physics, Niels Bohr, said, if you're thinking about quantum physics and you're not feeling dizzy, you're not really understanding quantum physics. (laughs) If you're looking at life right now and you're not feeling a little dizzy, you're not really understanding life right now. People who have been invisible or limited on the spectrum of life are calling out to be seen. And suddenly we have prepositions beyond him or her. The word gay, which is just a nice label, we can put that on people, has become LGBTQIA2S+. Yes? Jobs, pay, other roles in society which have been traditionally attributed to this is for men, this is for women, are becoming far more open. All those boundaries are dissolving. Who can love who is breaking out of old boundaries. Separations based on race, nationality, social status, gender, religion, and all the other barriers we've been built to love are collapsing. Have you noticed? And for some of us, this is really exciting. And for others of us, oh my God, it's terrifying. Maya Angelou says, love recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, and penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. We have a history of human beings saying who can love who, yes? People from this country cannot love people from this country. People of this social status cannot love people of this social status. People of this religion, this race, this whatever it is cannot love those people. You know what? Love does what it wants to do. There's that lovely phrase of the heart wants what the heart wants. Love is bigger than that because love itself is infinite. We get this filter in the U.S. of thinking of this thing as a white American problem. But it's not just a white American problem. It runs through all the races, all the genders, all countries, all the tribes of humanity. The Methodist church and several other Protestant churches are going through a huge upheaval and split right now over the issue of gay rights in the church. Can they recognize homosexuality? Can they have uh, ministers uh, who are uh, openly gay or lesbian? Can they marry people of same sexes? And a lot of the charge for that was led in the Methodist church. In 2019, there was a world conference that a whole bunch of the African contingent voted no, we cannot let that happen. They have what they call the African initiative, which is a very traditionalist no, the Bible says it's this way, we must stick to this way. So we have these these cultures that are rigid and don't want to have change come. So it's not confined to one group, one race, or one country. By the way, the last time there was such a big split in the... the, uh, Methodist and and Protestant churches, was in the 1840s over slavery, which was another cultural conditioning of the time. Take a breath. So for each of us, the question is, can I love all of the spectrum? Can I love all of the spectrum? Even if I don't like it, I can love all ice cream, but I would much rather have chocolate than strawberry, okay? But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with strawberry. I, I bet you I even know people who like strawberry ice cream. <laughs> take a couple of hands are up. So we don't have to like it, but we can hold it all in the light of love. Thich Han defines real love as uh, true love is made of four elements, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. We can also ask, am I willing to go through the discomfort of having the limitations of my own cultural conditioning be questioned and perhaps shattered so I can see a greater view of reality? Am I willing to let go of the ways that I have thought the world should be? because we have all been domesticated for millennia. And it's a difficult and uncomfortable process. But if we listen instead of to our intellects, if we listen to our hearts, if we listen with our hearts. Last week I talked about not looking for love, but looking from love as we perceive the world. If we listen to our inner spirit, we will hear and know a truth, a capital T truth and a capital R reality that lets us see, be and experience so much more of the spectrum than we ever have before. We are witnessing and being part of a world that is being evolved into something greater than ever before. And I use that phrase being evolved. It's going there. And we can either go kicking and screaming or we can say, yes, I will be part of that flow. We're experiencing what evolutionary uh, scientists called punctuated equilibrium, which is where a particular species has gone along pretty much at a a parallel, or uh, what am I trying to say? Horizontal level, and something gets popped. You know, we used to. Those of us who are older were taught that evolution is this kind of just gradual change. No, it's not. It doesn't work that way. It's what they say. It goes, it's all stable, and nice, and all of a sudden something changes in the environment, something changes in the species, and all of a sudden it has to jump up and evolve. And in evolution, not all members of a species can make that leap, but those that do experience a greater freedom, a greater expression of life than those who don't but it's not comfortable to go through the process. As a friend of mine says, comfort kills. One of my teachers. Comfort is overrated. Comfort kills. It requires letting go of old ways of thinking and being that will not work in a new way of being. Take a breath. Might even just shake yourself out. Let your body kind of becomes rigid. Do a little release. You know, in our teaching and and other places, we talk about change as the only constant in the universe. And we follow a teaching whose motto is, change your thinking, change your life. Are we willing to change our thinking so we can change our loving, so we can change our lives? I'm going to invite you for a moment to do a little process. Some of you did this yesterday with me. But take your hands and put them on your heart. And feel that space of love within you. And let that love grow and expand. Let it feel your hands themselves. And then lift your hands outward and let that love flow out from your heart to the world. We're here to love each other. Yeah, we do some other stuff too, but we're really here to love each other. As that song said, we all want the same things. And love is the core of what we want. Because love is the core of the universe. Love is the nature of the divine. And that's what we want. So this week, two practices. Number one, notice what aspect, notice, gently, lovingly notice within yourselves what aspects of the spectrum of life you find challenging to love right now. You might feel irritation, but just notice, And then without shame, blame, or guilt, just become curious. Discover what's the underlying conditioning or the underlying belief that's creating that restriction to the flow of love through you. So you can use this place where I feel constricted, where I notice my love is feeling blocked, as a place of of entry for curiosity to find out what's really going on there. What is it that I'm really believing? So that's the first practice. Just notice. The second one is commit to... And practice expanding your love. You can do that exercise that we just did. You can do just being present with more and more people as you as you love each person. Instead of being irritated by somebody, say, you know what, I'm going to love them instead. I have some minister friends who use the daily news as what they call their their uh, information for prayer requests. And so we can watch the news and say, where is my love needed? How can I hold this in love? Instead of going, oh, ain't it awful, or I don't want to look at that. Can I look at it and hold it from love? Can I look at it from love? So that's our two practices. Notice where our love gets stuck and find out what's underlying that and then commit to practicing and expanding your love. Are you good with that? I want to close with a quote from uh, a religious science minister named Petra Weldis, who's the minister in, in uh, Dallas, and she says, "All of life is the expression of the One Life. All creation is the body of the Infinite, expressing and experiencing itself in infinitely diverse ways. This is necessary for the in, or the Universal Spirit would not be fully infinite." Creation is where love becomes actualized. We're the place where love takes form, right? Creation is the place where love becomes actualized and life becomes more of itself. It needs you, me, and the whole universe to become all of the infinite ways it can be. It needs the spectrum. It needs all of us to be itself. Blessedly, the infinite is not monotone. It's not just one little gray tone and that's all we get. It's a spectrum and we all get to play with it. We have an affirmation. So if you'll join me with that. I expand my flow of love to be more inclusive. One more time. I expand my flow of love to be more inclusive. So it is. Thank you.